Thank you so much, John. We appreciate that prayer very much this morning. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together this morning, and before we do that, to lead into that, I would like you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of John in chapter 12, and we're going to look at the very last part of verse 36 all the way through verse 50. We took a break from the Gospel of John in the month of December so that we could focus on Christmas. Now we are back to our ongoing study. We come to the very end of chapter 12. It's a little bit of a longer section, but it goes together. There's really no place to separate it. It builds or is part of each other. So let me read for you this morning the Gospel of John chapter 12 and the last part of verse 36 through verse 50. It says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but... For fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Well, our first point this morning is a refusal to believe. Verses 37 through 41 contain some difficult truths about the depth of sin in the hearts of men and women. If you remember nothing else this morning, I want you to think carefully that our sin runs deeper than we will ever understand. And that sin runs deeply in those who have not yet believed and it makes it hard for them to come. And that's why we must pray. 
for the powerful work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin and of their need for a Savior. At the end of verse 36, it says, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. These things, when Jesus had said these things, doesn't just refer to the passage before, but um, refers to everything that Jesus has said in his public ministry and in the Gospel of John, specifically from chapters 5 all the way through chapter 12. After he had said all these things, after Jesus had taught in his public ministry, he departed and hid himself from them. So interesting. I have been sharing this with you throughout chapters 11 and 12, that we are coming to the very end of Jesus' public ministry, and now we have come to the very end, and he departs and hides himself from them, hides himself from the public in general, and begins to primarily focus on his disciples. Jesus will not appear publicly again until the Jewish religious leaders send him to Pilate and he is ultimately crucified. And in verse 37, the apostle John, the author of this book, says, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. This is strong language. His public ministry has ended and though he had done so many signs, so many miracles before them, they still did not believe in him. It is believed that Jesus did hundreds of miracles during his three-year ministry. We know from the end of the Gospel of John that not all of those miracles are even recorded. He healed the sick. He made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to talk. He cast out demons. He rebuked demons. He showed complete control over them. He controlled the weather. He controlled the elements of nature. He calmed the storm. He stilled the sea. The winds and the waves obeyed him. He read people's thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. And what John is saying here, people have been given ample evidence, plenty of evidence to show that Jesus is who he claims to be, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Savior who was to come into the world, and yet they still did not believe in him. So in verse 38 it says, So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 53. And Isaiah, looking ahead and seeing Jesus, says, Lord, who has believed what they heard, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And the thought is, they have heard clearly. They have seen the mighty arm of the Lord, the powerful arm of the Lord. They have heard, they have seen. And still, O oh Lord, they are refusing to believe. 
And so in verses 39 through 41, it says, Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah saw the glory of Christ. Again, he saw the coming of Christ and spoke of the Messiah to come. Verses 39 and 40 are hard verses. They are not easy to understand. Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. These verses have been the subject of much discussion and debate throughout church history. What does it mean? And there is no way I am going to resolve that discussion or debate today. Let me simply say this. There is something about the human heart that when it hears the truth of God clearly and rejects it, and then rejects it again, and then rejects it again. It appears that the human heart becomes harder and harder and harder, making it more and more difficult to believe. And God lets them follow the path of their own choice, of their own unbelief. I'm not saying they can't believe. I'm not saying they can't believe, but I'm saying it gets harder and harder to believe because of the hardening of their own hearts. These verses must be read and believed as stated. Therefore, they could not believe. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they would see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. I encourage you simply to read that let them sink deeply into your own soul. Do not try to change them. Don't try to make them fit into some box that you have in your own life, in your own theology. Just let them speak for themselves. And I would encourage you also, if you get time to go to Romans chapter 1 and verses 18 through 32, very similar, says almost the same thing. It says that those who have rejected the truth God gave them up, God gave them up, and that God gave them up. Well, in this context, many of the religious authorities claim to believe in Jesus, but there are serious questions about whether their belief was sincere or not. In verses 42 and 43, it says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, the religious authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. There are two schools of thought on this. One school of thought is that those who believed didn't really believe. They weren't sincere. They weren't actually born again. And this school of thought says if they are unwilling to confess 
Jesus publicly, how can we say they're truly born again? They love the glory of man more than they love the glory of God, so they are skeptical that those among the authorities who believed truly believed. The other school of thought is that many of them did believe. There were men like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea who, it appears from Scripture, truly believed. But there was tremendous pressure, tremendous pressure, not only on the people, but also, especially on the ruling religious leaders. To be threatened to be cast out of the synagogue was a very serious thing. I shared this with you back in John chapter 9 when the man who was born blind was healed and they brought his parents. And his parents were unwilling to testify on behalf of their own son because they feared that they would be thrown out of the synagogue. To be thrown out of the synagogue is not like leaving a church. At this time, to be thrown out of the synagogue, you would lose all your business contacts. You would potentially be ostracized from your own family. You would be a cast an outcast in your community. You would lose your whole way of life as you knew it back then. So did these people genuinely believe or did they not? And the answer I've come to is I don't know. Only God knows. I really don't know. But I do know that God knows. I think it is likely that some believe genuinely and some probably not. Well, that brings us to our second point, a reminder of the message. Verses 44 through 50 comprise an interesting section of Scripture because the Apostle John is not summarizing, or excuse me, because the Apostle John is summarizing Jesus' message rather than recording what Jesus actually spoke at that time. It is a unique section of Scripture, verses 44 through 50. John is not telling us that Jesus said this right at this time. Rather, as we come to the end of chapter 12, as we come to the end clearly of Jesus' public ministry, the Apostle John summarizes what Jesus taught. In fact, he does a marvelous job of summarizing everything we've learned from chapters 5 through chapter 12. And here's the thought in the context. These people heard clearly they saw great signs and yet they refused to believe. And here's what they heard. Jesus didn't speak in private. He spoke publicly. And here's what Jesus taught us. In verses 44 and 45. And Jesus cried out and said, this is what John is saying. This, do you remember when Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. John is reiterating what Jesus taught in chapters 5, 6, and 7 throughout, but especially in those chapters, that he has come from the Father, that he has come down from heaven, that he is in complete harmony with the Father. And whatever the Father taught him to say and told him to say, that is exactly what he said. William Hendrickson, in his New Testament commentary on the Gospel of John says it very well. He says, knowing Christ means knowing the Father. 
Loving Christ means loving the Father. Receiving Christ means receiving the Father. Christ and the Father are one. That's exactly what Jesus taught. Knowing me is knowing the Father. Loving me is loving the Father. Receiving me is receiving the Father. I and the Father are one. In fact, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, that's exactly what he says. I and the Father are one. And then in verse 46, do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus said, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness? That's John chapter 8. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus clearly taught that he is the light of the world who has come to free us from the bondage and slavery of the darkness of our own sin. Verses 47 and 48, do you remember when Jesus said, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Do you remember from John chapter 3 when Jesus said that he has not come as judge, but he has come to save the world? God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the judgment, John chapter 3. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. So Jesus says, I'm not the one who's going to judge you. You know what's going to judge you? My words will judge you. I don't have to judge you. My words will be the judge of you. And that's the way it will be in the end. It will be we have heard the truth clearly and we reject the truth. It's like when you break a law in our own land. It's not the police officer who judges you. It is not the judge who judges you. It is the law itself that judges you. You have broken the law. Therefore, here is the consequence. Here is the punishment. Again, verse 48, the one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. And then verses 49 and 50. Do you remember? Do you remember when Jesus said, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. I speak what the Father has given me to speak. And do you know what his commandment is? Eternal life. I have come into the world as eternal, everlasting life. The Father has sent me to be the Savior of the world. Only through me can you be reconciled to the Father. Only through me can you have the forgiveness of sins. Only through me can you have eternal life everlasting 
life. So what the Apostle John is doing at this point in his gospel, he is saying, Jesus has come to the end of his public ministry. He spoke clearly. He did hundreds of miracles and still, still they did not believe. But he says, make no mistake about it, Jesus spoke clearly. His truth was public. And they refused to believe. I want to share one more thought before we go to communion. Today's passage is a critical reminder of the importance of prayer and absolute trust in God when we share the gospel with others. Folks, I believe that prayer and trust in the Lord, trust in the Holy Spirit may be the most important part of evangelism. We ought to do it before we ever share the gospel as we prepare for the possibility of sharing the gospel with someone. If there is one verse from the Old Testament that summarizes this whole section, it has to be that famous verse from Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That is what John is saying. Seek the Lord now while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Don't wait, don't wait. Let me say again, there is something that happens to the human heart when we repeatedly reject the truth of God. It appears that our hearts become harder and harder. I'm not saying we can't believe, but believing appears to become harder. And what John is saying is don't go there. Don't go there. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We must continually ask God to supernaturally open the eyes and hearts of those with whom we share the gospel. Let us share the gospel with an absolute, desperate mindset of prayer and trust in the Lord to do his work. Let me say this Today, if you're here this morning and, in, and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, you don't need more evidence. You have all the evidence you need. You need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes and to open your heart. Seek the Lord. We implore you, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. Well, he is near. As we share the Lord's Supper together, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you can do it right where you sit this morning. If you're sitting at home watching this by live stream, you can do it right in your home. You can ask God to forgive you of your sin and invite Jesus to come into your life to be Lord and Savior of your life. If you know Christ as Savior this morning, let this be a time of reflecting on the importance of the gospel, of the cross, and how it is the work of the Holy Spirit that convicts men and women of their sin and of their need for a Savior. Ask God to make that so important in your life and in your witness. If 
you are visiting with us this morning. This is how we are doing communion now. One deacon will pray for the bread and cup this morning. The deacons will then hand out the bread and cup together. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture and then we will eat and drink together. If you're watching by live stream, while the deacons are serving communion, we strongly encourage you to use this time as an important time of meditation and reflection. So at this time, we will share the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> 